This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We just bring you that conversation, the last conversation in the second hour of the show, and we're shifting our focus now to the developments coming out of uh, the Marshall Town Group. Remember, uh, there was that fire, and this fire uh, gave birth to uh, the Marshall T- uh, the Marshall Town Fire uh, Justice Campaign that has been doing a lot of work uh, to help uh, some of the victims of uh, this particular fire. This is a fire that broke out in the Johannesburg CBD last year claiming the lives of 77 people here and injuring many. So uh, the group there was relocated to the Denver informal settlement and we're hearing that even there uh, they were met with a lot of challenges. Uh, Hence I was saying earlier on uh, that when it rains it pours uh, for this particular group. But uh, we're joined now by the Workers and Socialist Party and Dumiso Ngube is coming through from uh, the organization there to speak to us about the work that has been done over time by the Marshalltown Fire Justice Campaign. You at home, you're welcome to just form part of this conversation. We are on 0861-987-000, thereby X. We go by at parfm987, at katlerolrodi underscore, rallying behind the hashtag PowerZone. Ndumiso, good morning. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning and good morning to the viewers. Thank you so much for you know, for having part of this discussion. Yeah, thank you very much, man, for giving us uh, your time. I mean, we're hearing that uh, this particular group has had uh, tragedies one after uh, the other. Uh, It has not been a smooth sail uh, since uh, being moved to the Denver informal settlement. Uh, Here we're talking about uh, that group uh, that were uh, caught up in that fire in the Johannesburg CBD. Tell us what's happening here. Okay, so, um, you know, as... You've rightly mentioned mm. um, in August there was the fire in Marshalltown uh, where more than 70, uh, 70 people actually lost their lives. And, you know, countless others just lost access to their livelihoods and their homes. Um, and from that time on, it was quite difficult for many of the victims to find any form of justice or any form of assistance from the state. Instead, at the time, we actually saw uh, many uh, people who were in need of help um, finding themselves, um, you know, being neglected and mm-hmm. also uh, facing even more um, oppression. So, um, for a lot of the survivors, they've been moved around from, you know, one shelter to the next. And um, there was then a group of, you know, people that were sent to stay in Denver under mm-hmm. honestly very horrific conditions. Um, and you know, from the moment that they moved there, the moment that they moved to Denver, there were so many complaints that were raised, so many issues, including the lack of security. Uh, many of, you know, the you know people there were actually worried about the conditions that they were forced to live in, um, in places with no electricity, very little, um, you know, sanitation and ablution uh, facilities, etc. So it has not been easy. And even before the flooding took place over the weekend, um, you know, there were other challenges that were being experienced in the area as well um, of Denver. So the call has been not only to get justice for the victims, but also, um, you know, to make a, a, a strong state statement against xenophobia, you know, the scapegoating of 
uh, the poor people in the country mm. um, and also just looking for ways to get assistance for the people who need urgent relief. I mean, also, when you look at it, uh, there were uh, issues with them wanting to or not wanting to uh, be moved to, uh, you know, uh, other areas to begin with uh, there uh, because of uh, these particular issues that you're saying uh, they were faced with. Uh, maybe just let us in on their concerns uh, before being moved uh, to Denver because we're hearing that uh, Denver was also not the only place uh, that they were moved to. There are others that were moved to other areas as well. So uh, over time, um, you know, people have been moved to various centers. At some point, some were sent to you know places like Lindella, mm. um, and many were facing, um, you know, deportations. Deportation, and, yeah. um, look, from the first week that people were moved to Denver, in particular, um, you know, as we mentioned earlier on, there were issues around even adequate the lack of adequate drainage. Mm. Um, and, you know, this, there was a settlement from the city that, okay, yes, they would put in, you know, they, they agreed to put in some drainage, but they failed to do so. Um, and some of the other sites where people moved to, they literally had no assistance. They had nothing left, um, mm-hmm. you know, save for, you know, what they were able to then get after um, the, the fire happened. Um, and in some cases, you know, shelters that they moved to were actually closed down afterwards. Basically, just moving the people from pillar to post um, without really giving them any real um, assistance. So, so also uh, there was that issue of the inquiry as well, uh, where then it was an issue around uh, the uh, authorities finding themselves caught between the rock and the hard place. Uh, because when you look at it, the inquiry would need people uh, to come through and testify and uh, the likes. What, what do you make of this particular inquiry? And this uh, group, uh, were they welcoming uh, to this particular move uh, in, in terms of what uh, the Houghton Provincial Government government had started here? So, you know, as the Marshalltown uh, Fire Justice Campaign, you know, we do take part in, you know, that process. Mm. Um, You know, however, one has to really, you know, question the limits um, of what will come out of, uh, you know, this inquiry because, you know, we've heard the city of Johannesburg coming out to say that they don't have the funds to really... You know, you know, give the adequate support or the necessary support, and yes, we do note this. You know, with with, with quite a lot of concern, mm. um, because you know this is at a time where, you know, we are everyone is aware of the, you know, the the dire need and the dire desperation that is there. Um, but then to then hear the city saying that they're not, you know, able to pay to um, to assist the victims, you know, it just really shows. You know the weakness of the city um, and the lack of uh, of a political will to really assist. Um, you know the victims here. What would they like to see happen? I mean, uh, these latest floods uh, has have seemingly set them back uh, once again. Uh, when you look at what has been happening, then over time, with uh, leading to them being moved here. Uh, when you look at uh, all of these developments, what would you say would be a recourse for them, or something that would be satisfactory to this particular grouping? Well, look, the people you know from. 
you know, who were living, I met those in the soul, you know, center and, you know, survived. Um, they've gone through quite a lot. Um, I mean, if you remember, I'm sure you're aware of how things have become more expensive, you know, there's this rising cost of living, etc. And um, from August or September, many of the people from there don't have any um, access to whatever livelihoods they had before. They've lost a lot. Um, and, you know, being moved or rather detained in places like Lindella or other informal settlements has not really helped the situation because there isn't much support. Um, you know, they've been forced to live in shacks um, with no real assistance when it comes to things like food or clothing. Uh, many are now living far from the schools and trading places and workplaces. So, uh, in the very least, what we would have hoped for is that the city would have come in and assisted to get um, alternative housing, which is actually, you know, dignified housing for, for the victim, or at least um, to, you know, to also offer you know, a more genuine or a more tangible um, assistance. Because as it stands right now, when you speak to the survivors, um, they're living in very terrible conditions. So um, at this point, you know, we're also even making calls to, you know, to the broader public to assist wherever possible with any um, with any sort of assistance that people might be able to provide, um, you know, food and clothes. and um, But in the very least, it would have been, um, a bit more encouraging if the city had moved, you know, the the victims to a, a place where there's actually dis- decent living conditions, and to also make it, you know, easier for people to get back on their feet in terms of, you know, their livelihoods are concerned. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, um, there is a lack of a will, really, a political mm-hmm. will, and the strategy from the city to really uh, step in and, and assist. And the, the Human Rights Commission, have they been roped in here? Because I know that Siri has been doing a lot of work, the Socioeconomic Rights Institute, uh, you know, where issues of people's placement and their likes are concerned. Uh, do we see them also just finding interest in this particular matter? Yeah, so I've not really, um, you know, be able to comment specifically on, you know, how far, um, you know, the Human Rights Commission have gone. I mean, of course, there are still processes that are underway uh, with regards to um, getting, you know, more you know institutions involved. Uh, but you know, the processes are still are still unfolding. However, we've also taken up you know a lot of actions on our side, um, as the Marshall Town Fire Justice Campaign. You know, to have you know demonstrations. We've had mass meetings and marches with uh, more than three thousand people attending. So we've also had, you know, pickets, you know, outside, you know, the commissions when they've taken place and tried to really, um, you know, to represent the people inside, especially with two organizations such as Siri. And I mean, there are more than 30 organizations that are part of you know, the campaign. Um, and, you know, there are people that are trying to uh, to step in and then be a voice that can be heard on behalf of, um, you know, the, the victims. Mm, yeah, no, man. Uh, let, let's just hope uh, that, uh, you know, uh, there would be some sort of intervention here uh, because, uh, like you say, there are uh, some somewhat of human rights violations that are also uh, playing out here. Uh, have the structures been, you know, more or less uh, rehabilitated? Have people uh, been able to pick up the pieces from the devastating floods? Uh, but what, what is happening as we speak right now? I mean, yes, I mean, some, in some cases, you know, there are efforts being made uh, by the residents themselves to, um, you know, to rebuild 
within Denver. But then remember that it was not only the victims of the Marshalltown fire that were affected by this flooding. Um, also, the people who had been living there uh, prior uh, were also affected. And also, there was a fire that took place in Denver um, a few days before the flooding took place. So, uh, yes, people are trying to rebuild their lives, but um, there really is a long way to go. Yeah, no, there is a long way to go. Uh, but at least uh, we see uh, that you're doing uh, work as the uh, Marshall Town Fire Justice Campaign uh, to ensure that they're not left behind. Uh, thank you very much, man, uh, for giving us your time as WASP uh, this morning. And we'll just continue just looking out uh, for the latest developments there, hoping uh, that uh, all of these issues will become a thing of the past, especially for those victims that uh, were victims of fire. Now they're victims of floods and inhumane conditions and uh, the likes. Thanks to Miso for giving us your time this morning. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.